श्रवनम डायरीज पॉडकास्ट Hare Krishna everyone we are continuing to read the nectar of devotion the book by his divine grace abhay charanaravinda bhaktivedanta swami shrila prabhupada chapter 7 evidence regarding devotional principles next principle is not accepting unfit disciples constructing many temples or reading many books another stricture is that a person may have many disciples but he should not act in such a way that he will be obliged to any of them for some particular action or some favor and one should also not be very enthusiastic about constructing new temples nor should one be enthusiastic about reading various types of books save and accept the ones which lead to advancement of devotional service practically if one very carefully reads bhagavad gita shrimad bhagavatam teachings of lord chaitanya and this nectar of devotion that will give him sufficient knowledge to understand the science of krishna consciousness one need not take the trouble of reading other books hmm. so bhagavad gita shrimad bhagavatam teachings of lord chaitanya and nectar of devotion Of course we know that teachings of Lord Chaitanya is the summary study of Chaitanya Charitamrita and nectar of devotion is the summary study of Srila Prabhupada by um for the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu In the 7th canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam 13th chapter verse 8 Narada Muni while discussing with maharaja yudhishthira the various functions of the different orders in society especially mentions rules for the sanyasis those persons who have renounced this material world one who has accepted the sanyas order of life is forbidden to accept as a disciple anyone who is not fit A sanyasi should first of all examine whether a prospective student is sincerely seeking Krishna consciousness If he is not he should not be accepted However Lord Chaitanya's causeless mercy is such that he advised all bona fide spiritual masters to speak about krishna consciousness everywhere therefore in the line of lord chaitanya even the sanyasis can speak about krishna consciousness everywhere and if someone is seriously inclined to become a disciple the sanyasi always accepts him seriously inclined 
The one point is that without increasing the number of disciples, there is no propagation of the cult of Krishna consciousness. Therefore, sometimes, even at risk, a sannyasi in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu may accept even a person who is not thoroughly fit to become a disciple. Later on, by the mercy of such a bona fide spiritual master, the disciple is gradually elevated. However, if one increases the number of disciples simply for some prestige or false honor, he will surely fall down in the matter of executing Krishna consciousness. Similarly, a bona fide spiritual master has no business reading many books simply to show his proficiency or to get popularity by lecturing in different places. One should avoid all these things. It is also stated that a sannyasi should not be enthusiastic about constructing temples. We can see in the lives of various acharyas in the line of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that they are not very enthusiastic about constructing temples. However, if somebody comes forward to offer some service, the same reluctant acharyas will encourage the building of costly temples by such servitors. For example, Rupa Goswami was offered a favor by Maharaja Mansingh, the commander-in-chief of Emperor Akbar, and Rupa Goswami instructed him to construct a large temple for Govindaji, which cost vast amounts of money. So a bona fide spiritual master should not personally take any responsibility for constructing temples. But if someone has money and wants to spend it in the service of Krishna, an acharya like Rupa Goswami may utilize the devotee's money to construct a nice, costly temple for the service of the Lord. Unfortunately, it happens that someone who is not fit to become a spiritual master may approach wealthy persons to contribute for temple constructions. If such money is utilized by unqualified spiritual masters for living comfortably in cost costly temples without actually doing any preaching work, this is not acceptable. In other words, a spiritual master need not be very enthusiastic for constructing temple buildings simply in the name of so-called spiritual advancement. Rather, his first and foremost activity should be to preach. In this connection, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj recommended that a spiritual master print books. If one has money, instead of con constructing costly temples, 
one should spend his money for the publication of authorized books in different languages, for propagating the Krishna Consciousness movement. Hmm. Next item. Straightforwardness in ordinary dealings and equilibrium in loss and gain. There is a statement in the Padma Purana, quote, Persons who are engaged in Krishna consciousness should never be disturbed by some material gain or loss. Even if there is some material loss, one should not be perturbed, but should always think of Krishna within himself. Unquote. The purport is that every conditioned soul is always absorbed in thinking of material activities. He has to free himself from such thoughts and transfer himself completely, completely to Krishna consciousness. As we have already explained, the basic principle of Krishna consciousness is to always think of Krishna. One should not be disturbed in material gain, material loss, but rather should concentrate his mind upon the lotus feet of the Lord. A devotee should not be subjected to lamentation or illusion. There's the following statement in the Padma Purana, quote, Within the heart of a person who is overpowered by lamentation or fear, by lamentation or anger, there is no possibility of Krishna's being manifested. Why did I say fear? Okay. It says lamentation or anger. There's no possibility of Krishna's being manifested. Hmm. So, next item is the demigods. One should not neglect to offer due respect to the demigods. One may not be a devotee of the demigods, but that does not mean that he should be disrespectful to them. For example, a Vaishnava is not a devotee of Lord Shiva or Lord Brahma, but he is duty-bound to offer all respects to such highly positioned demigods. According to Vaishnava philosophy, one should offer respect even to an ant. So then, what is there to speak of such exalted persons as Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma? In the Padma Purana it is said, quote, Krishna, or Hari, is the master of all demigods, and therefore he is always worshipable. But this does not mean that one should not offer respect to the demigods." Unquote. 
Next item. Not giving pain to any living entity. This is the statement of Mahabharat. Quote. A person who does not disturb or cause painful action in the mind of any living entity, who treats everyone just like a loving father does his children, whose heart is so pure, certainly very soon becomes favored by the Supreme Personality of Godhead." In so-called civilized society, there is sometimes agitation against cruelty to animals. But at the same time, regular slaughterhouses are always maintained. A Vaishnava is not like that. A Vaishnava can never support animal slaughter or even give pain to any living entity. Alright, well, we have completed chapter 7, tomorrow we shall begin chapter number 8, entitled Offenses to be Avoided. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in today, the book links Previous episodes, timeline, and biography of the author can be found on shravanamdiaries.com. The link is in the description, and we shall see you tomorrow.